Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time to take a look around the NFL with John McClain from gallerysports.com and Sports Radio 610. Here's your boy Q. Live here at Allegiant Stadium for the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Year Award announcement that will take place a little bit later on this afternoon. John, we do appreciate you uh, this afternoon. As always, my man, there's no more undefeated teams in the NFL as the Eagles fell to the Washington Commanders on Monday Night Football. Very physical game from Washington's side. What did you see from that game, and what stood out to you uh, from the Eagles side of things as they lost for the first time this season? They committed a season high in turnovers. They were plus 15. They were blowing away everybody in, in turnover differential, and they couldn't stop the run. When they, when they beat the Texans, <coughs> excuse me, they couldn't stop rookie Damian Pierce. They won the game because Texans are bad. Washington ran 49 times, only averaged 3.1 yards per carry, but they controlled the clock for more than 40 minutes. And when you have the ball and you turn it over, and you don't have it very much, that's a recipe for disaster, and they're going to get a steady diet of a running game until they prove they can stop it. And Washington now, 3-1 and one with Taylor Heineke as the starter, and with Carson Wentz getting close to returning, I think Ron Rivera would be crazy to put Carson Wentz back in the lineup when Heineke uh, is doing a good job, and players seem to rally around him. And Washington's about to be 6-5 and because they play the Texans. So that means all four teams would have winning records. And uh, it's a, right now, it is, since realignment, has the best record of any division in history. That's wild. It really is. Never thought I'd say that about the NFC East. Well, looking at the Minnesota Vikings, they only have one loss on the season. A lot of teams, a lot of people were talking about, yeah, but, yeah, but, and then they went and knocked off the Buffalo Bills. How close are they to being one of the best teams in the NFL as well? I was a yeah, but, just like everybody Me was too. outside Minnesota. And truthfully, I'll bet you there's a lot of Viking fans were yeah, buts too mm-hmm. because of Kirk Cousins. And then they won one of the biggest Regular season games in their history, one of the best. They got really lucky uh, for a fumble on the on the one inch line. It went in the end zone for a touchdown. But you know, Kevin O'Connell, their first year coach, he's got to start getting love for coach of the year. Everybody's talking about Robert Sala, the Jets, Brian Dable, uh, Pete Carroll, but for Kevin O'Connell and his offensive coordinator Wes Phillips who is the son of Wade Phillips and the grandson of Bum Phillips, uh, they've been outstanding. And I think right now uh, Philadelphia and Minnesota are the best teams in the NFC, and Kansas City is the best team, and Miami, those are the two best teams in the AFC. There's not a dominant team, and that is going to what make what, the rest of the season so exciting because so many things can happen in both conferences And right now, in Las Vegas and Houston, the most exciting thing is who's going to get that first pick. (laughs) My my money is on the Texans. They have a half-game lead in the standings on the Raiders, and the Raiders won. So that works to the Texans' advantage when it comes to being bad. 
Talking right now with John McClain from gallerysports.com, also Sp- Sports Radio 610 in Houston, here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. You mentioned O'Connell, Dayball, Sala. They're all guys that are having early success. And, of course, as you know, Josh McDaniels is not having early success, being at 2-7 and seven is the first year as a Raiders head coach. How much worse, because those guys are having so much success, does it make Josh McDaniels look right now? Well, as I say here, uh, Jeff Saturday has as many victories as Lovey Smith won. And um, the difference is the Raiders coming off the playoff season, high hopes, a lot of talent injuries had decimated the passing game with Waller and Renfro out. And uh, and they definitely have the talent to be better. Everybody knows that. The Raiders know that. And I keep thinking they're going to get better, but they can't keep losing games like they just lost. So I don't know where the Raiders are headed. But uh, they've got to qualify. If you're looking around at teams that have been surprisingly good, when you look at teams that have been surprisingly bad, like the Packers, uh, but the Packers coming off an overtime victory over the Cowboys, you got to put the Raiders right up there with them. Yeah, no, you really do. And, you know, we were talking to uh, Jeff Howell, who's from The Athletic, who covers the, the Patriots uh, up in Boston in the last segment. And uh, I asked him the question about uh, Patriots assistance. Once they leave New England and leave that Belichick umbrella, uh, they seem to not have so much success. Why, why do you think that is? As you know very well, you covered Bill O'Brien there in Houston as well, and he was successful early on. Bill O'Brien won four division titles in five years, and the difference in him and the other coaches he did not spend his whole career in New England, and he only knew one way. Nick Serio, the general manager here, I call it Patriot South. They don't like it, but that's the way he runs things because that's all he knew for 20 years. And O'Brien said, I had mentors, Bill Belichick being one of them, but I had others. So he had a way of combining different ones. But it is amazing. It is just amazing. Personnel people have gone on to be general managers like Ziegler, who've been very successful and have won Super Bowls, but the coaches have yet to be able to do that. Talking right now with John McClain here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. DeMond's got one for you. Uh, keeping on that last question there about the Patriots, and you called even the Texans Patriots South, and we're Patriots West out here. But um, when Nobody he, wants to hear that, DeMond. I, I don't know if Nobody wants, wants to hear that. that. But he, <laughs> hey, man, if they're Patriots South, I mean – Exactly. Anyway, but when it comes to like, oh, these assistants not being able to do that and maybe just not knowing anything besides Bill Belichick, do you think that maybe they should just break away from his system? Because what Bill Belichick does only works from him and it can't work when you try to put it in place in a new system, in a new team, in a new city. Come on, let's be honest. If any of those coaches that had left the Belichick umbrella and taken Tom Brady with them, would they be considered successful coaches? Absolutely. What's Belichick done since Brady left? Brady's won Super Bowl with Tampa. He's turned it around now. He played very well last year. He's playing well this year. When you look back at the Patriots' success with Belichick and Brady, it's it's and Belichick to me is the greatest coach in history, and Brady is the best player in his best quarterback in history. Uh, that had more to do with it. In anything. So I think when you see these others, the fact is they don't have Tom Brady and they do do things like Belichick did. And usually uh, it doesn't go over well because people, they don't want to hear it. And eventually, if you've got to learn, you can't do it. You've got to be yourself. 
You can't do everything like the Patriots do it. John, what, is, what have you thought about just the, the talent evaluation and the, and the players that uh, Casario has brought in there in Houston as the GM of the Texans? Um, he came in. The Texans went two years in a row without a number one pick. His first draft last year, he didn't have a number one or a number two pick because of trades Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby had made. And this year he had two ones, two twos. I think he's done a good job. Problem is, they need a quarterback. Pat mm-hmm. Hamilton, their offensive coordinator and play caller, has not done a good job. He's done a terrible job developing Davis Mills, who's regressed from the end of last season when he was good over the last five games. And so now they're going to end up getting a quarterback with hopefully the top pick. And, uh, and you know, if you got a chance to get the quarterback, you got to get him. Right. You can fill in around the quarterback. So I don't know how the Texans can't take one. And then the Raiders are going to have a difficult decision. What if their car plays a whole lot better and they're, and, and they're more consistent whether they show it or not and they have a chance to get a quarterback? Do they take the quarterback and trade Derek Carr since Carr was not brought in by the current regime? That's going to be something they have to decide before the draft. What would your thoughts be on drafting the quarterback? Say they see a guy that they really like, and they say, you know what, we're going to draft you similar to what Green Bay did with uh, Jordan Love and sit him behind Carr for a year or two. Well, what Green Bay did with Aaron Rodgers. They had Brett Favre. They didn't yeah, need Aaron Rodgers. Right. Ted Thompson, their late great GM, got down to where they picked 23rd. He was there. They had him rated as one of the top two players. They took him. Favre didn't like it. Rodgers didn't like it. Nobody liked it. And it's worked out pretty well. You know, that's not the way they do it today. Like, people want guys to play instantly. Mm-hmm. I think that they drafted a quarterback, say, in the top five or six. Mm-hmm. They'd be better off bringing him in, trading car, and then letting that guy play from, if not the very beginning, somewhere early in the season, like Kenny Pickett's doing at Pittsburgh. Talking right now with John McClain from GalleriesSports.com, also Sports Radio 610 in Houston here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Going back to Buffalo real quick, Josh Allen has that concern with the elbow, the UCL injury. Uh, I was shocked that he played this week. Uh, how concerning do you think that injury is for Buffalo moving forward? I don't think that's causing him to leave the league in interceptions. You know, he's making some bad throws. Yeah. He had velocity, threw for a lot of yards. He's just making bad decisions, and I don't think he should be their leading rusher. And he's a big guy. He's, he likes to run over people. His, he takes a lot of wear and tear. And uh, they get running backs, and they still can't run the football. It's not a good thing when your quarterback is your best runner, and that could keep them out of the Super Bowl. Right now, they are a huge disappointment. Final question for me is about the San Francisco 49ers. They picked up a victory over the Chargers on uh, on Sunday. What did you think of uh, what they've been doing now that they've had Christian McCaffrey and added him to the mix? And, of course, they have a really good defense. Well, I'm waiting for Debo Samuel to have the kind of game he had last season where they can combine it. Mm-hmm. Because right now they beat an injury-hampered Chargers team. And I still think San Francisco will win the division. All I know right now, 49ers will win the division and the Rams will finish last. And uh, they're good. Could they Could they go to the Super Bowl with Garoppolo? Yeah, they've done it before. They were in a championship game last season. But to me, they're not 
uh, I'm not going to say an elite team because I don't know. I don't think Philadelphia is elite. I don't think Minnesota is elite. But I'll say elite, but not dominant. So anybody could once you get in the playoffs, and it's going to be so much fun watching not just the 49ers, but all these teams as a jockey for position for January. All right, John, something that we were talking about off the air that I wanted to bring to the show is that we both watched the Say Hey Willie Mays documentary. I just finished it last night, and I want to get your thoughts on the documentary and maybe one of your favorite Willie Mays stories because I just thought it was so insightful and so moving. I thought it was tremendous. I love those good documentaries. I would encourage anybody to watch the Nolan Ryan documentary, Facing Nolan. They did a fabulous job with that, and they've done a fabulous job with Willie Mays. When I was a kid, I was eight years old, watching old black-and-white TV, and baseball back then had two all-star games. The second one was money to go into the un- for the union. And I watched. I walked in, and I saw my dad add it on, and I watched Willie Mays hit a triple. His cap came off as he rounded second base. He slid into third with a cloud of dust, and I fell in love with Willie Mays and baseball at that point in 1960. Nice. I love it. I love it. I'm a big baseball fan, John, so uh, we could talk baseball all day long. What do you got coming out? Gallerysports.com, and what are you doing on Sports Radio 610 we should be on the lookout for? I'm writing a column tomorrow on Gallerysports.com about Deshaun Watson returning to practice this week and getting ready for his first start December 4th in Houston, and which will be the only game left here that's exciting. And uh, I'm (laughs) For the for SportsRadio610.com, everything's about the Texans, so everything is negative. <laughs> I got you, John. I appreciate you, my man. Hey, your Baylor Bears are going to be here this week. Uh, Scott Drew and company will be here playing in a tournament here in Vegas, so I'll definitely check them out for you and uh, let them know I, you said hello. Please do that. And cue uh, DeMond, thank you guys very much, and I will talk to you next week. Absolutely. Thank you, John. Appreciate you. There he goes. John McClain, gallerysports.com, Sports Radio 610 does a lot of work for them. Fantastic job and always uh, here with us on Tuesdays at 3 p.m. on Radio Nation Radio 920. 3.15 is the time. We'll get to a bunch of texts. 69187, keyword R&R. Plus, if you want to light up the phone lines, you can. 702-365-9200. We got some sound from Josh McDaniels. We got some sound from Patrick Graham. We got some sound from uh, Coach Lombardi, uh, the, the offensive coordinator, Mick Lombardi. We also got, uh, we got Sam Webb. We got Jerron Harmon. We got Amik Robertson. We got a lot to get to in a little bit amount of time. We're going to do it live from Allegiant Stadium. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. We're here at Allegiant Stadium in the David Hum broadcast booth. This is the home broadcast booth. Jason Horowitz and Lincoln Kennedy, they do the, the call of the games each and every home game right here from where I'm sitting at. And this is awesome. Looking down at the field, seeing the big Raider logo seeing stadium tours going on, people walking around the Coors Light Landing, checking out the torch, checking out everything, getting the, like I said, the guided tour. Really cool thing to do. Really cool place to be. What a great opportunity. Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Year Award will be announced later on this evening. That's why I'm here. Uh, Hopefully we get the coach on the show live uh, this evening. And if not, then don't worry, we'll have them on the show tomorrow. But that's the plan, and that's why I'm here. And the event doesn't even start till 4.30, but I've been here since about 1, 1.15-ish maybe. Uh, got in here, hustled in, and uh, got settled into the booth and feeling really good, man, being here and just having the opportunity to do a, a show live from Allegiant Stadium. It's really a lot of fun. Coming up 
on the 21st. That's next Monday, as a matter of fact. The state uh, high school football championships are going to actually begin. And uh, I, I'm at the Oyo every single Monday, so I was hoping I could be back for the championship games like we were a year ago. I was hoping they were going to line up the, the right correctly for us, but it uh, doesn't look like it's going to line up like that for us. So uh, glad to be here today, but just know that the state high school football championship games will be played here at Allegiant Stadium just like it was a year ago. And that, I think, is really cool as well as uh, the Raiders have made sure that they dedicate themselves to the Las Vegas community and uh, high school football plays a major role in that. Now, we threw out the question earlier on the show just asking about what are you looking for? We know it's evaluation season. We know the Raiders have eight games starting with Denver this week, Seattle next week. They're on the road for the next couple weeks. What are you looking for? What do you want to see? How do you want to see this team go out there and operate? We heard Derek Carr's emotion. We heard Devontae Adams' frustration. We've heard other players, and we'll hear from other players uh, in a little bit. Matter of fact, coming up at 3.30, we'll hear from Deron Harmon, uh, Raiders safety uh, from the Raiders locker room on Sunday after the game. we got a, a couple of minutes to catch up with him, so you'll hear from him coming up about 3.30. But what are you in particular looking for? Me, I want to see that team that doesn't go out and make mental mistakes. I don't want to see the pre-snap penalties. I don't want to see uh, the beating of themselves, right? I want to see uh, if the Denver Broncos beat them because the, the Broncos beat them. If Seattle beats them because Seattle beat them. Not because there's a bunch of penalties and all of a sudden you look up and it's, you know, second and 23 or third and 30. And, you know, there's a nice big run by Josh Jacobs that all of a sudden gets returned or it has to come back because of a holding penalty, right? I mean, it's just got to be a lot cleaner. And we saw they were cl- capable of doing and playing clean football. They did it all preseason long. Very little penalties, very little turnovers. And I know it's a preseason. You don't want to take a whole lot from that. But that's habit forming. That's when you start to create those habits. I want to see crisper play calling. I want to see Derek Carr getting ready to snap the ball with, you know, 10 on the clock instead of one on the clock and looking like he's trying to rush and everyone's not knowing. One thing that's been driving me crazy the last couple weeks, and I like Matt Collins, and he's been a fun story right he's been a lot of fun to talk to really cool guy he's a captain of the special teams we know he's a quirky dude he does his own thing he doesn't wear shoes that's cool I mean whatever you know that's cool everything about him is cool but the last few weeks I've seen Derek Carr have to bark at him a lot a lot going back to even the Jaguar game he was telling him where to go you know and DeMond going back to your the playbook hard to pick up it feels like Matt Collins is having a trouble picking it up because I'm seeing Derek Carr, going back to the Jaguars game, he, he came in motion, then he stopped, and Derek looked and was like, Mac, Mac, and, and, and like made him go further out. Like he wasn't lined up where he was supposed to be. And then there's been times on the routes where he hasn't ran the route correctly. And it's either led to an incompletion, a damn near interception, or whatever the case may be. It just seems like Mac is not picking up this playbook, and he's not on the same page, and almost that he's being forced to play because of injuries to other guys. Yeah, you can go back to the first play of the game against the Colts. Yeah. Where I know that, hey, Derek Carr, let's say, oh, he overthrew him, but he wasn't running the same route. Though That was clearly two guys on different pages. Right. Where he's almost running a post and Derek Carr's run just deep downfield. Right. And he's running a different route to the ball that Derek Carr tried to deliver. Luckily, it wasn't intercepted, but it was just, I looked at that and it's like, they wasted the first play of the game. Right. No, you're right. You're right. And that's that that's uh that's leading to what? Three and outs. And then all of a sudden you get the ball, you receive the ball, and then you have a three and out. It might as well be uh it's not a turnover, but it damn near feels like one, right? It just feels like you had a wasted a wasted possession if you have a three and out. I mean, at least move the ball, show a little something, something. I mean, they, you know, early in the game, they weren't showing anything. Derek Carr didn't even have a completion in the first quarter. I mean, that's that's really bad. Text line, Brad in Sacramento hit us up at six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. Great question, Q. What I want to see is more focused. 
No more drop balls that hit you square in the numbers. That's going back to Keelan Cole. I want to see the receivers finally separate. And on the flip side, our corners finally cover the wide receivers. I want Carr to make, start making plays like he used to when he took off full speed, diving, all that. Not crazy to get hurt, just like he used to. Now it's like there's a car cardboard cutout back in the pocket. I hope Carr remains here for years, but something has changed with him this year from pre-snap to the end of the play. Again, that's from Brad in Sacramento. I like that text. Good stuff right there. Uh, Trey in Kansas City. I want them to go out there and lose every game. Less chance for them to mess up the draft if we have a first pick, although I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't put it past them to do so. Trey in Kansas City, always the most positive guy in the, in the room. Appreciate you. Again, he wants them to go out there and mess up every game. They can – they they could lose they could lose every game. They I mean they could, right? But I think you can still get something from the games, right? I mentioned Sam Webb earlier. I want to see if he could develop. If he could develop into someone, if Luke Masterson could develop into someone, Darian Butler could uh, you know develop into someone, why not? It doesn't always have to be all doom and gloom. I know it's not where any of us expected it to be, but it doesn't always have to be doom and gloom. It really doesn't. Got to uh <laughs> Got another text. Let's see. Who else did we get a text from? Uh, Tom, the not buying in, the not giving effort Carr and Adams were talking about, having to take tests before even practice, Clee being a healthy scrack, etc. I don't for sure, but definitely looks like dictatory to me from the outside. See how the anonymous stories that will start coming out look like. That's from Tom going back to uh, head coach Josh McDaniels and what he feels like is uh, um, dictatorship, which is a very hard word. I, I struggle, Tom to use that word and relate it to football because we know when it comes to dictators what that is, right? I mean, I just, I just I find that hard to relate uh, to that to football because, again, this is a game, and maybe I don't, get in, I don't, I don't lose my mind over it as much as, as some fans do, but that's such a harsh word, and especially with the climate that we live in right now, the world that we live in these days, dictator is such a tough word for me to, you know, to accept and say, yeah, that's, that's cool or whatever. I, just, I understand what you're saying. You're talking about being in control, but, again, I just kind of find that as a hard word. I'm not offended. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think that that's really how we need to relate anything to anyone when we're talking about a football game, a game. Not people losing their lives, not people being enslaved, not people doing any of that, but a game. That's what we're talking about. So that's why I don't really sign up for that. Raider Joe from San Ramon, I want to see McDaniels and Carr look like they're on the same page. Something is off. Fair. Fair. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, again, I would like to see McDaniels get those play calls in uh, a lot, a lot quicker, a lot faster. You know, look like they have a rhythm to to what they had uh, earlier on. And I know that was just preseason, and it wasn't even Carr and McDaniels. But I just kind of want to see a rhythm with the play calling. I mean, we know early on, right? They're always scripted. We know that the plays are scripted, so there should be a nice little rhythm to it. And just for one reason or not, there isn't. And I know some of it has to do with penalties. And, Damon, you've talked about penalties before, that those uh, early penalties on early downs are really are really hurting the, the Raiders. So that's something to pay attention to as well. 3.27 is the time. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back here from Deron Harmon, the Raiders' safety. Again, we're here live at Allegiant Stadium. we got Lincoln Kennedy joining the show coming up at 4 o'clock. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. It's unnecessary roughness. The judge, Lester Hayes, joining us now. That's why Q, of course, our team kept winning. Kept winning, Q, because of our training. You got to put in the work and the time and the perseverance and the patience to train your body and train your brain. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. 
Another tour is underway here at Allegiant Stadium. There's about a handful, maybe 10 to 15 folks right now on the field, standing around the logo, taking pictures with the logo, taking pictures on the field here at Allegiant Stadium. Really cool to see these tours going on later on this evening. The Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Year Award will be announced, and hopefully we're able to get that coach on the show with us before it gets wrapped up at 5 o'clock. Right after the show is over, Unnecessary Roughness at 5 p.m., you will hear the Raiders Roundtable. JT the Brick, Lincoln Kennedy, and myself, we recorded that earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center like we do each and every Tuesday. It's available right now. It's live. You can hear the audio version. You can check out the YouTube version of it if you want. But I encourage you to wait until 5 o'clock and then do it. And it's all good. But, you know, if you have to, you have to. But you don't really have to as far as I'm concerned. Coming up in a few minutes, Jerron Harmon, uh, Raiders safety will from the Raiders locker room post game uh, after the loss to the Colts on Sunday. You'll hear that. But let's first go out to the phone lines, 702-365-9200. Very patient. Vince in Northtown, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, Vince? Q, what's going on, my brother? Damani, what's going on? How are you guys doing today? Chilling, man, chilling. Chilling, uh, listen to your show every day. Keep doing your thing, Q. Appreciate it. Um, uh, what I'm going to get off, I'm going to keep it, I'm gonna keep it uh, pretty short. I'm going to try to keep it short. Um, one thing I want to get off, look, I know the results ain't there. It's not the season that we all had as a Raider Nation. Look, I think right now the mood, you know, our attitudes right now is all down. But, look, we got what I think uh, the Raider fans got to do and the players, hey, we got to give it that 24-hour rule. We got to move on to that next one. And maybe this is just a Raider fan in me, but this is the last thing they need to hear. They know what they need to do. The last thing they need to hear is just fans talking all kinds of trash about them, what the team needs to do. They know what they need to do. So I think we need to, like, give it the 24-hour rule. Let's get ready for Denver. You know, look, I'm I'm wearing my Raider starter jacket right now, (laughs) loud and proud, because that's who I am, and that's who we are. And I think – now is the perfect time for Raider Nation to band together during these bad times and show other uh, fan bases and the other organizations and show them why we are the best fans, why we are the most, why are we considered special, and what separates us from the rest. So that's one. Two, what's been the theme of the uh, you know the week? Everybody wants McDaniel's gone. Yeah, I get that. If I were to spread the blame in percentages, I'm gonna give it to you real quick. I'll put twenty on card, man. 20% goes to Carr because, you know, he needs to figure out a way to extend plays. Aaron Rodgers is 40 years old, but when he gets – he knows how when – that, when that line breaks down, he knows how to get out that pocket and just extend that play, you know. He needs to be more aware of the – more aware of the – of his pocket's presence, you know. Right. right. So that's why I the quarterback. So I'll give him 20%. 30%, I'm giving it to the defense. Defense, we got to get off the field. I think this team, look, we loaded up on offense. To be honest, man, we've been an offensive team for quite some seasons. I think we need to turn this team into a defensive team, man. We need to get off the field. They need to make some plays. It's been since the Del Rio era. Since Del Rio, we still haven't generated a decent pass rush, if you ask me. So I'll give 30% to the defense. Now, the whole 50, the other 50% left, I'm giving it to McDaniels. The reason why, there's no reason for us to be 2-7. and when on paper we are a better team than what we were last year. Okay, good stuff, man, good stuff. Definitely appreciate you. The 20, 30, 50 breakdown right there. 20 to Carr, 30% to the defense, 50% to McDaniels, and I think that that's fair. 
That's fair. That's fine. I think that, uh, you know, I think that they'll probably all take responsibility. And, you know, I'm sure that there's a little bit more percentages that we can spread around to some other folks and some other uh, areas of the team. But I do agree with you 100% when it comes to the defense. And I would love to see in the offseason a big-time emphasis on two areas, the defense and the O-line. The defense and the O-line. Like you said, there's a lot of money invested on the offensive side of things. Would love to see a lot of money and a lot of uh, draft capital and equity uh, you know, used on the defensive side of things because definitely that needs to happen. Let's get one more call in. Let's go out to one of the islands. Let's go out to the islands. My man, Maui Raider. Aaron, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Um, I had a couple of things I wanted to talk about. Never like calling after a loss, but it seems like I'd never call if I didn't call after a loss. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> one of the things was uh, I heard you uh, – Talk about Cole. I hadn't heard anything until you, I just got on and heard you uh, talk about the drops by Cole. I think that was a big part of uh, where the offense stumbled a little bit, and I didn't want I didn't hear anyone talking about it. So I'm glad you brought that up. The second thing is watching the game Sunday. The commentator brought up that we were 32nd in pass defense mm. in the league and 29th overall. I'm not a car hater. I'm not a car lover. But at the end of the day. That has to be addressed. And you just commented on it. There's no way. If people talk about how talented this team is, no, we don't have talent on defense. If you're, other than uh, Crosby on the edge, we don't have talent. And that needs to be addressed, as you brought up. And the third thing I want to say, I, I don't speak for Raider Nation. I don't talk about But anyone calling in talking about tanking and losing the rest of the games, please stop. It just shows that you never played organized sports and that you don't play football to tank and lose. You get hurt that way. Yep. So please stop talking about tanking. It shows your football IQ or lack thereof when I hear those comments, man. It drives me crazy. That's all I got, Q. Hey, good stuff, man. It's great to hear from you. I do appreciate you. And, yeah, uh, you know, it's so funny. I, I, I love uh, how you ended that with the, the whole tanking conversation. Front offices, they do what front offices do, coaching staffs, whatever, whatever the case may be. We've seen it in a lot of different sports. But I don't believe that there's one player ever out there that says, yeah, you know what, it's all good. I'm good with losing. They don't. And like you said, uh, one of the biggest keys is when you don't go 100%, when you're actually trying to actively not play well, that's when you get hurt, especially in football. You've got to go 100%. If you're not going 100%, you're not going full speed, injuries happen so bad. So I'm glad you brought that up. And, again, uh, there's there's times, you know, we've heard uh, so many times that front offices could – actively do whatever they they feel like they need to do, like not play certain players. That's one thing. You know, that's a, a form of it. I get that. But when it comes to the players on the field, those guys are trying to go. They are trying to go. So uh, thank you so much for that. Appreciate it. Damon, what you got? And then with football, you, you, what, how would the other players on the team react? Then you're going to get a mutiny in the locker room. <laughs> and just, hey, we're shutting down Derek. Derek's fully healthy, right. but we're just shutting him down for the rest of the season. Right. And then what's Devontae Adams supposed to think? Well, then the entire team's going to want to quit because then those guys playing, they're going to say, oh, so we're the scrubs, huh? <laughs> right. Like, I wouldn't right. want to be playing then, you know? <laughs> well, that's the only time you get in the game. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Hey, man, no, I I'm... enjoyed those garbage time minutes. Boy, that was my time to shine. Dude, man, we get down by 30, like, I get to looking at the coach. Hey, man, I can't do no worse. <laughs> I know that's right, man. Hey, look, me and you both in the game at the same time, man. I'm, th- I'm throwing passes to you, man. Because I'd be looking down the bench, you know, once it gets out of hand, fourth quarter. Hey, come on now. <laughs> it's my time, coach. My time, coach. I'm ready. Hammies are all warmed up. I'm good to go. <laughs> 
I can respect that. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Coming up at 4 o'clock, Lincoln Kennedy from the Raiders Radio Network. Um, Multiple-time Pro Bowler, offensive lineman with the Raiders. He'll join us to talk about uh, the game and talk about the team in general. Right now, though, one of those guys that does play uh, defense is Jerron Harmon. He's been a, a fun guy to, to, to cover this uh, season, his first year with the Silver and Black. He's been a fun conversation, and, of course, it's never fun. Like Aaron said, it's not a lot of fun when you're talking after a loss, but he gave us a few minutes in the locker room following the loss to the Indianapolis Colts. Here he is, Jerron Harmon. Offensively and defensively, so how do you fix that? Uh, you got to fix it with your play. You know, that's the only way. Uh, it has to be an intent. Um, and you have to go out there with the intent not to, you know, get penalties. Um, penalties have been, you know, kind of putting us in a tough spot. And it's already hard enough, you know, playing against, you know, good teams. So just got to have intent. Message-wise, you know, what was set up for this one just in terms of, you know, stay locked in here moving forward? Stay locked in. I mean, we're right there. I mean, it sucks. I mean, this is what, like, our sixth loss under, like, a, a one-possession game. So, I mean, we're right there. We just got to find a way to win the game. And um, we had our chances. Um, but we'll see when we watch the film. We made it, uh, obviously, the game harder than we needed to make it. And uh, on that long run touchdown by Taylor, uh, what did you see? Uh, well, I mean, it was just – I slipped. I mean, excuse my language. But, you know, that's something that I pride myself on doing, um, getting a guy on the ground being a sh- short tackler and um, when he kind of slip and then you know with a guy like that you can't slip you can't have any wasted movements um, and then, you know he's out the gate I mean he's one of the best backs in the league for a reason can't have no wasted movements and you know at that point I had an opportunity to make the play and I slipped. Do you feel like everybody in this locker room has bought into the message here that's been spoken? For sure for sure you know, we've seen that each and every day with the way we practice, the way we prepare. Um, but, you know, right now it's just not not correlating the wings. And whether that reason is, I mean, we'll see it. But, you know, we put ourselves in tough positions over and over again. And until we stop doing that, it's just going. we're just making the game harder than what it should be. Devontae but, said Sunday should be the, the, the most fun days for you guys. Yeah. And it hasn't been. What, mm-hmm. what do you think has been just been the biggest cause there for that? I repeat mistakes. You know, we talk about, you just said, you know, the penalties, um, execution um, in critical uh, situations. So until we, you know, get better in those situations, um, we're just making the game too hard. You know, it's already hard enough. Um, and we got to stop making it harder than what it needs to be. Why is it so hard to translate from practice to, to the game times consistently? Uh, I mean, it's, it's the game. You know, it's opposition. Yeah. You know, you got people going against you. Um, and, you know, never no excuses, you know, but we just we just got to we just got to be better. You know, we got to see the ways that we're losing and we have to use that um, in practice and be better in practice so that we're better in the games when, you know, these situations keep coming up. There's Jerron Harmon right there following the loss to the Colts on Sunday in the Raiders locker room. Always great to catch up with Jerron. And uh, obviously it's not a uh, you know great time and a festive time, but uh, taking full responsibility for Jonathan Taylor getting to the outside and getting to the end zone. I mean, that was a play that Jerron Harmon's got to make, right? I mean, he took a bad angle, he slipped, and it was over. His lights out. Jonathan Taylor's too good. And up until that point, the Raiders did a decent job. Of, of slowing him down. Of course, he's he's going to get his because he's that good. Uh, last year, he ran for 100-something yards and then a touchdown, but it didn't wreck the game. But that one big play, 
Damon, that was the that was the game wrecker, man. When he broke out of there and hit that sideline, you knew he was gone. And uh, Duran was the last line of defense and wasn't able to get him to the ground. Uh, to me, it was it was almost that backbreaking moment. With all that being said, the Raiders were still in the game, but it just felt like that that was one of those backbreaking moments. It was, and you can say Duran, hey, he's the last line of defense. But the blocking on that run, I watched it back maybe a good four or five times when mm-hmm. it happened because the way they were able to create space, no one in on the first two levels was able to was even close right, to putting a hand on Jonathan Taylor. No. So it's also yeah, oh Deron Harmon, he slips, you gotta make a play. He prides himself on being a short tackler. But how is everyone it was almost a perfect job by the coach. You know, the those guys yeah. get paid too. Absolutely. And you know no and, and it was like one of those that was the best blocking that they probably had on any specific play all game and it paid off. Probably the best blocking they had all season. I mean, honestly, and that's not me taking a shot at the Colts. It's the fact that they came into the game not a very good offensive line for one reason or the other. I mean, we talked to, what, three, four different people that covered the Colts, and all they kept saying is the offensive line is a mess. You know, all we kept talking about, at least I kept talking about, was, hey, this is a game where I think Max Crosby can get off. I think Chandler Jones can get off. I think someone from the interior. I mean, I just the offensive line had struggled, and on Sunday it didn't. On Sunday, they put in their best performance. And, you know, you got to give Jeff Saturday a, a lot of credit for having those guys ready to go. But you also have to give the rest of those coaches on that staff a lot of credit for being having those guys ready to go. I think one of the biggest keys to the game was the fact that Jeff Saturday said, oh, Sam Ellinger's going to play? <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> he's not going to start. I'm going to go with the guy that I know. And I don't know if he went in there and told Jim Irsay, hey, uh, overruled, but uh, Matt Ryan's going to play or – if he just put him out there, I don't know what he did and how he got got it done, but it sounded like from the from everyone that we talked to, Jim Irsay, the owner of the Colts, is the one who sat down Matt Ryan and brought in Sam Ellinger, and I believe that Jeff Saturday is the one who sat down Sam Ellinger and said, "No, no, we're bringing Matt Ryan back in." I think that that was a a big key to the game as well as the you know I don't think anyone knew that Matt Ryan was going to play. I knew it was a possibility, and Demond, you had mentioned it when he was uh you know when he was actually participating in practice. I remember one of the people that we had talked to last week, and we talked to multiple guys, you said, hey, what's the chances of Matt Ryan playing? And I think everyone that we talked to, they're like, eh, I don't think I really see that coming. But he did practice a little bit. It's also with Jim Irsay, when you make those decisions, but then what have we all heard about the Jeff Saturday hire? He's bringing in a friend. He's bringing mm-hmm. in his homeboy. So it's just, hey, man, you know what would be a good idea? Starting Matt Ryan Jim Irsay. You know what? That sounds like a good idea, Jeff. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> Man, right. never thought about it that way. Right, no doubt. <laughs> Tom hit us up on the text <laughs> line. Maybe they could spend $340 million on D. <laughs> that would be fantastic. That would be fantastic if they spent $340 million on defense, but uh, that's not going to happen. But, yeah, that was uh, – thank you, Tom. I appreciate that. But, no, going back to your point, uh, that's – yeah, that's that's kind of similar to – or it feels like what, what Saturday said was like, hey, I'm going to do it my way. If you're going to let me do this, then let me do it, right? If you want me to cook the meal, I get to pick the ingredients. Going back to what Bill Parcell said uh, back in the day. Got a text from the 209. I also don't believe they're tanking. Every game has been close besides the Saints game. Just for whatever reason, they cannot finish strong. And, again, that goes back to what they did last season. Last season, all the close games they were able to pull victories out. This one, they're just not able to. And you know it's so funny, DeMond. All last year, every time they had the ball late, I felt very confident that they're going to win, even in that playoff loss to the Bengals. I thought, oh, yeah, they're going to pull this out, no doubt. That's what Derek Carr and the, and the Raiders do. Even this, this week. You know, when they had the ball and they had an opportunity to get down the field and obviously uh, Derek throws it to Devontae, throws the fade route in the end zone and falls incomplete, I didn't have any kind of confidence that they were going to score that touchdown going down the field just because it hasn't happened this year. It hasn't happened in that fashion, and it would be something new. And it's not that I'm, I'm never going to pull against the team. I don't ever want them to lose. I'm not ever going to say I want them to lose so they can get a higher draft pick. As we've seen 
so many times that it doesn't matter if you have the number one overall pick. doesn't mean you're going to get a good player, <laughs> right? I mean, seriously, like there's no, there's no bone in my body that says, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Go get a number one overall pick. Go get the first pick. Just see if you can get the highest pick because it's not guaranteed that that guy's going to be great. Think back to the last time the Texans had the number one overall pick. When they went and got Jadavion Clowney, who was the better option? Khalil Mack. And they didn't get him. And Derek Carr, or, and, and the Raiders got him in what? Pick number five? And then Derek Carr round two? Right? Think about the last time the Raiders had the number one overall pick. Who they went and selected. He obviously wasn't the, the, the right guy. I don't even have to say his name. Nobody wants to talk about him. Just because you have a, a, a top two, top three pick doesn't mean you're going to get the right guy. How many times has the right guy been the, the guy that followed the pick that the Raiders had or any other team? How many misses do we see early in the first round? A ton. It doesn't really matter where you pick. The, uh, the, the, the thing is you have to pick the right guy when you have the opportunity. That's the biggest thing. I'd rather make sure that Dave Ziegler and company get, get the pick right as opposed to them having to pick number one or number two or even top five. Pat Sertan is a fantastic player. He wasn't picked in the top five. He was picked in the top ten, but he wasn't picked in the top five. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, if you do the right research, if you do the right scouting, you'll get a damn good player. But you've got to put in the work. Coming up at 4 o'clock, Lincoln Kennedy will join the show. Let's go to hear one of these guys, a young guy, in the, uh, in the Raiders' locker room uh, following the loss to the Colts on Sunday. That's Sam Webb. Sam Webb, uh, he was an undrafted free agent. He's a guy that's getting an opportunity out there to play. Don't know if he's going to be a really good player. I don't know if he's going to be just some quality depth. Not sure what he's going to be, but right now he's getting an opportunity. It's evaluation season. It's one of those guys that many people said, hey, I want to see what he's got. He made a few plays on Sunday. Just a quick conversation with Sam Webb in the Raiders' locker room following the game on Sunday to the, the loss to the Colts. The, the play caller never called plays before. The coach just came in. Like, how difficult oh. is that to prepare for? Um, it actually wasn't that difficult. I mean, we just studied the film that we had and um, saw the tendencies and, and played to our strengths. And um, whenever we noticed them, we played, we played to them. When you, you guys were so close to City getting that turnover and the next play they score, I guess how much did maybe the lingering effects of not coming up with it maybe affect the next play? Like I said, we just got to be able to come up with that in critical situations and uh, understand that if once we don't, we got to be able to bounce back and control what we can control. Do you feel like you're starting to like truly come into yourself and get used to the game speed a couple games in now? Uh, yeah, honestly, I've been gotten used to that. Um, I feel like um, I got the most confidence in myself. I, you know, um, it's just a matter of going and executing them now. What? Did this, did this feel different than some of the other games? I mean, you guys have had a couple of losses here, but was this different at all? Nah. I mean, we, we all a team. We all got to stick together, win or loss. Um, so we're just going to move on to the next and keep preparing, keep working. Sam Webb in the Raiders locker room following the loss to the Colts on Sunday. And uh, you heard him talk about the play where Darian Butler didn't come up with the, the fumble. And he made a heck of a play. You know, he knocked the ball out. Butler's got to come up with that. He didn't. Uh, we all know the results after that. That's when uh, the Colts went and scored on the very next play, uh, got a touchdown. And that's just unfortunate. You know, I mean, you make that play, uh, the game is different. You know, and uh, he said it wasn't tough preparing for a, a play caller that had never called plays. It wasn't tough preparing for a head coach that had never been a head coach in the NFL before. They just went out there, studied the film, uh, picked up on tendencies, and, and ran with it. 
Uh, obviously, it didn't work out in the Raiders' favor, but not using any excuses of why they did not get it done. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our good buddy Fargo Raider. Welcome to the show. It's on your mind, brother. Hey. Hey, Q in the morning. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, I, I got my notebook today, so I'll, <laughs> I'll keep it on track. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, look, we drank the Kool-Aid and we got a stomachache. It's all right. You know, it happens. This is, I always come on here and I've been saying, you know, Raider Nation, we always get hyped up for the season. It's not the end of the world. Things are going to get better. I just wanted to hit a couple quick points here. So on the comment that, that uh, Mark Davis made that, you know, it's an instant gratification era. It is in very many aspects of life. And I understand the point he was trying to make. And, you know, he has a very great, he has a very valid point in it. Everybody wants to see it happen now. And it's not going to happen now. The problem is that it's not necessarily instant gratification for us that have been lifetime now waiting for right. the wins, you know? Correct, correct. And, and that's all that a lot of us want to express, that sometimes it could come off tone deaf to guys like me who just, I've been patient and I've been loyal to this team. And I go to the games, I spend my hard-earned money. Um, I love the team so much. I just want them to win finally. Right. I understand that, you know, a new coaching staff, that's going to happen. But, you know, it, it, just like he said, Owls Raiders won. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to come time soon that Mark's Raiders win, too. Now, what I want to see here, I want to see maximum effort, if nothing else. Like, go out there and show that you're giving 110. I don't care what it looks like, as long as I can tell that everybody's sweating every last drop of fluid that they got in them. And I'd like to see some design rollouts for Carr. Carr looks, Carr is deadly when he's on the move. He throws every, he throws defenses off. They can improvise a little bit. Time to go off script. It ain't working. Design some, some rollouts for him. Let him throw it on the move. He seems pretty comfortable because he's deadly accurate. Thank you guys for taking my call. You have a great day. Good stuff, good stuff, and yeah, I mean, and and I totally understand as you know, a lifelong Raider fan myself, uh, a guy who has not seen a lot of success from the Silver and Black. I totally understand what you're, you're talking about, and you're right. In a sense, it's not instant gratification because players come and go, coaches come and go, but the fan base, Raider Nation, stays uh, and has been loyal forever. And I say it all the time that we have generations of kids that have never ever they've seen less of success than I have. My son's never seen success. He asks me all the time. Dad, when are these uh, Raiders that you tell me about, when are they going to show up and start playing really well? You know, he doesn't get excited for games because he doesn't think he's going to see a win. Uh, I, I totally get that. The problem is, and this is when everyone starts calling for, well, change coach, change coach, change coach. All right, well, every time you change coach, you press the reset button. Every single time. And, again, it's not, it's not window dressing. It's not me trying to make excuses. I don't like it either. Believe me, I want nothing more than me and DeMond to come on this radio station every single day and talk about a winner. There's nothing more than I want to talk about. It makes my day. It makes my week. It makes those requests to go on different radio shows, it makes it that much easier. It makes it that much more fun. But right now, we, you know, you can't put lipstick on a pig. Right now, it's not what it's good. It's not good. It's 2-7. and seven. But at, at the end of the day, like Mark Davis said to Ed Graney and Paul Gutierrez and others, McDaniels has coached nine games with the Raiders. He's not responsible for anything that happened last year or any other year. He's responsible for what's going on right now, and that's it. And so it, it sucks for us. <laughs> it does. But it's, you know, every single time you bring in a new regime, you all, we always uh, get the idea that, oh, this is going to be the dude. This is going to be the coach. And actually, I should say the, the new staff. 
every time you bring in a new staff, that's what that's what uh you know that's what we we think it's gonna this is gonna get it done, and it just sucks having to press the reset button all the time. So I totally understand what you're saying, uh, Fargo. Thank you so much for your call, my man. I do appreciate you. Three fifty six is the time. We're at Allegiant Stadium. I'm sitting here in the David Hum broadcast booth. This is where Jason Horowitz and Lincoln Kennedy do their work. And speaking of Lincoln Kennedy, he'll join the show next. It's Radio Nation Radio nine twenty.